welcome to the New Ventures podcast. We have as our guest today, Kiran Pereira, who is the author of the book, Sand Stories. She's also the founder of sandstories.org. Welcome to the podcast, Kiran. Today, we're going to really talk about your book, Kiran, and you know, a fantastic book that you've written. We both loved reading it so much. Tell us a little bit about you know, what prompted you to write the book and you know, the process through which, which you went about in doing so. So thank you so much for saying that. That really means a lot because I poured my heart and soul into writing the book. Um, and it was a project that took many, many years. Um, so it's really gratifying to hear your kind words. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. So I grew up in um, Bangalore uh, in India, right? And at that, at that point in time, water has always been a topic that's very dear to my heart. And I, as I grew up, I constantly read reports about rivers being decimated due to sand mining. And at the same time, I saw trucks filled with sand flying up and down the roads, right? Over Bangalore was getting transformed into the Silicon Valley of India. And I asked myself a very simple question. If development comes at the cost of the environment, is it really sustainable? And the, it kind of led me to explore further when I came here to do a master's uh, research topic and I chose sand mining as a focus of my dissertation, every time I spoke about sand mining to professors here, they couldn't understand sand mining? What are you talking about? There's plenty of sand, right? And people who are in uh, developing countries, particularly in India, would know that sand mining is not a new concept at all for the population there. It's so in your face, it's so brazen that we kind of are desensitized to what's happening out there. And so the more I learned about this particular topic, the more I realized that the fundamental, it, it uh, touches every aspect of our life. And there's a, there's a real need for us to come together and recognize the role that sand plays in our lives and, uh, and to decide how we want to treat this resource going forward. So I decided to write a book because I was learning so much and I wanted to share all of this with uh, people and uh, articles in external media, but I felt it wasn't enough because there was so much to say. But at that point, I, I really didn't know who would be interested in buying a book about sand, you know? <laughs> so for me, starting the website and just starting to put out content there was a way to try and find my own voice and, and, and a way to identify like-minded people who, who uh, see value in what I'm doing. And so that started off uh, several years ago. I did a crowdfunding campaign that succeeded and I was so grateful because I reached out to everyone I knew. I reached out to friends, to family, to ex-colleagues, to their bosses, to basically everybody I knew. Um, what was also very gratifying for me was that I received support from people I had absolutely, I mean, I, didn't, I did not know them before they supported this crowdfunding venture. And some of my strongest support has come from people I absolutely did not know about at all. They found me through my work and they found and did their own research and then they have supported my work subsequently. Um, after the book was launched, I've had people uh, who were part of the original crowdfunding support list. They bought further copies to then mail it out to people in distant corners of the world. So it's been such a gratifying experience, personally speaking. And, I'm looking forward to share this message far and wide because it's really a problem um, and it's really, there are solutions. 
Uh, such a such a wonderful story, Kiran. Right. I mean, what is most interesting is that you know you came from India, where this problem is you know right there in your face, mm -hmm. right? And you gave it a kind of academic perspective uh, in King's College London, where where the problem was not even known about, right? Mm -hmm. And now, of course, you're talking about it to the whole world. Uh, this crowdfunding, the way you uh, sort of funded your um, your project of writing the book, you know, that to me was also very interesting because it almost seemed like you had um, uh, created a market for the book uh, even before it got published, right? So Absolutely. you said you reached out to everybody, right? In, um, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, about uh, that because you know, I, I know that in crowdfunding, um, you do have to do a lot of marketing yourself. Yes. If somebody else wants to write a book and crowdfund it, what would be your advice to him or her? Absolutely, go for it. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a, um, what we must realize that the publishing industry is really, really changing very rapidly. Uh, things that were, you know, it's, it's changing in a matter of months. Things that were true a few months ago are no longer true today kind of a thing. So in 2021, as we speak, it's absolutely possible for individual publishers, uh, independent publishers to, to do um, as much as traditional publishers or even more, particularly if they build a team around themselves. Um, it's possible for you to publish in multiple formats. So there are no more gatekeepers. Of course, you have to make sure that the quality, con the content that you put out there really serves people and is of high quality. Otherwise, um, you're doing damage to both the industry and yourself and your, your, your future career. So, when, if you want to crowdfund, there are, I mean, there are other platforms that allow, that would allow you to crowdfund anything, right? Any, any kind of project. But I chose a, a platform that was specifically meant for books. Uh, it was a platform called Publishizer. Um, there's also, subsequently, I learned about another one called Unbound. Both are worth checking out if you're interested in writing a book. Um, so it's really interesting because here, all the projects that get put forward are all about are, are books, right? And how Publishizer works is that um, the more number of pre-orders you can get, the higher, they act as your like online literary agent of sorts. So the higher number of pre-orders you can get, um, the bigger publisher they can attract for you. So at the end of my crowdfunding campaign, I was in talks with so many publishers, you know, hybrid publishers, independent publishers. Um, in the end, I decided to, um, I, dis I, I realized that I was the kind of person who liked creative control and I liked um, having, having a say in how things would look and what would go into it and uh, how it would get distributed or how um, the next product would come out and things like that. So I chose to go the independent route, um, but yeah depending on, on your aptitude and, and your, uh, the kind of person you see, you think you are, um, it's absolutely possible to get a book published these days. It's, I think it's one of the dream that so many people share, right? But Of course, yeah. Topic that we are talking about, you know, crowdfunding a book. So it seems like the way you describe it is that you almost write what you, what you call a pitch, right? You know, probably write a, you know, a chapter or so, write about book content. And then instead of showing it to, let's say five publishers, you send it to 50 people, right? And then they decide whether they would like to buy the book based on that content. Yes. Is, it, is, is that the process? 
So in a sense, uh, so traditionally what you would do is you would write a book proposal, particularly if it's a nonfiction book, and then, uh, you know, sh uh, shop around to see if any publishers might be interested. But it's a very, can be a very long process and it can be quite um, discouraging you know, because you may not hear from them or you, you know, it, it can be, um, it, it can take so long and uh, things like that. There are many gatekeepers involved. And particularly if you haven't published before and you don't have a ready audience already, um, it's becoming harder to get published in the traditional industry, even in the traditional publishing field, people, uh, most marketing efforts tend to go towards the top 1%. So if you're a mid-list or lower, you have to do your own marketing, even if you're published, uh, traditionally published. So that's something to bear in mind. And so doing a crowdfunding campaign is a way of, to help yourself find, define your market, find your voice, try and reach out to people. So when you uh, create uh, a proposal that's online, you have to provide um, a sample chapter, you know, outline of chapters that you intend to write, that sort of thing, and create a video pitch, why you think this book should be written, why you think you are qualified to write it, and how will it serve uh, your audience. So things like that. It, 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 there's a lot of work involved. There's no escaping that, but it's a very rewarding process at the end of it. Right. So one final question before we, so from the point when you first contacted a publicizer mm -hmm. and then to the point when you had kind of sewn up and you actually started writing, how mm -hmm. long was that period? <laughs> so actually publicizer is very good in getting you, <laughs> in enrolling you. So um, Lee Constantine is kind of quite um, persuasive in his argument. He I wanted to wait until I had kind of written the book or almost um, was near the end before I went on to Publishizer. But he um, convinced me to jump in before I was ready. Um, so I kind of um, refused his offer twice. And then the third time I said, you know, it's now or never, let's, let's go right in. And I, I jumped. It kind of took me, um, so, at the point when I did the publishizer campaign, I had actually written 50% of the book. Um, but the, the, the situation around me, uh, as far as Sand is concerned, changed so rapidly that I found that I had to rewrite many chapters. So what happened at that point in time is, is that uh, a famous journalist in, was about to publish a book and his book came out. And the Vince Beiser's uh, The World in a Grain, if you haven't read it, I, I definitely urge you. Yeah, to. of course, you know, it's so, so famous. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, and he's a master of his craft, right? He's a seasoned journalist. He, he really uh, uses his words very, very well. And so much of what I wanted to say was already in that book. And so I felt like it was a wasted opportunity if I was saying the same thing again. Uh, and I had to rewrite much of what I had written. So it kind of took me longer than I expected. Uh, and also kind of having these discussions with individual uh, publishers to see the kind of offers they were making and things like that, all of that uh, took time. So I did the campaign, uh, I think in 2018, and I shipped the book in 2020. So it took me a good two years. Ideally, I would have liked it to be, you know, much, much shorter than that. But uh, luckily for me, I had an audience that was very supportive. There were friends and family. Fantastic. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast with Kiran Parira, who has helped us understand the innovative ways to solve the problem of overuse of natural resources in the construction industry. Follow me on LinkedIn, Medium, and Twitter to get fresh international perspectives of what people across the world are doing in this decade of climate action. Mm -hmm.